The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 247 Recap, Scorecards, Controversies, and much more. Strappin'. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this year's program, Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do today, tonight, whenever you listen to this, because it is after the fight. That's right. I cannot wait for UFC and ESPN Plus 25 to roll around to recap UFC 247, so I decided to do it on this here Sunday. Um, so getting into the evening, admittedly, try to get this done in the afternoon, but uh, things stack up, and, and, and all good things. Uh, in fact, shout out to SB Nation Radio for having me on to discuss some UFC 247, Dave and John over there, but uh, on this program, it's about you guys, that's right, the listeners, so we're going to jump right in. Speaking of listeners, real quick, shouts to new listener Rico, at Rico underscore 361, who said he subscribed uh, I'm taking someone was kind enough to share, and Rico found the podcast. So again, that's the best thing you guys can do is is share. Uh, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate your listens, and um, of course, you know if you, you ever want to do more, uh, but without spending money, you can always use the click throughs uh, for Amazon. Everybody shops there or on it. That's awesome there, uh, as well as you know, five star ratings and reviews uh, don't cost you nothing. Uh, for the iTunes link right under the uh, uh, PayPal donation for those who really feel inclined, but that is not necessary. This show is free, uh, and my thoughts are free, so let's get them to you. As you know, or you know, if you're keeping track at home, we went 7-5 and five in overall picks, uh, 2 for 3 in our straight plays, and 1 for 1 in props, because I did end up taking shots on both those props. I didn't manage... Um, I went a little heavy on on both of them. Uh, There's one of the co-main event that burned me, so I think I only ended up like doing like literally like like a couple bucks of profit. So I could technically say I was up on the night, but it's let, let's just say I broke even. All right. <laughs> Hopefully you guys um, did uh, well. Also, last shout out before we move on to this uh, recap of a listener uh, at Nick. Primani uh, wanted to add to uh, how Joey added with uh, TJ Dillashaw, and I'm already forgetting who. As far as like, I asked the other, you know, a couple episodes ago, hey, who got knocked out in their UFC debut, and had like a meaningful career, and um, Nick added RDA. I forgot about that. I had Jeremy Stevens that uppercut from your mom's house, and it just knocked RDA stiff and silly. So, good call there, Nick. Thank you for contributing to the show. Okay, um, I guess we'll just do the recap from top to bottom since most controversy and talk is in the main event, and that's kind of the format I tend to go here because, you know me, I run out of steam. I used to go the other way with it, but I, I tend to run out of steam by the by the end. So, um, And you know, the, you get delirious, Dan, half the time anyways. It can get ugly, folks. So, let's just let's just start from the top. We have John Jones defeating Dominic Reyes by unanimous decision. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I. Uh, one second. All right, sorry, I just had to uh, check a recording. It didn't sound quite right. I'm still uh, working on the new equipment, still twiddling on things. So thank you guys as well for your feedback, saying that it sounded great. Um, you know, I won't ask you, nor do you have to tell me every time, but if something sounds off, feel free to shout. And if you just want to reinforce it, it still sounds great, please do, because I'm actually actually using different settings from last time. Uh, something wasn't sounding right when I first started this. But anyways, like we said, John Jones defeated Dominic Reyes via EMS decision. I, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't agree with the decision. And again, I picked John Jones by decision. Uh, the play was the over and that cash. So I guess I was a happy camper, you know, from that perspective. But um, 
I did not agree with the decision. Um, as I said on Twitter after my live watch, I had it for Dominic Reyes, 3-2, rounds 1 through 2, with 3 being the swing round, but I leaned toward the damage he did in the first half of the round over John Jones' uh, more um, fluid stalking in the last half, and then, of course, gave 4 and 5 to Jones. And there are some differences and little nuances and different points that are, are, are great that we'll, 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 we'll talk about here in the recap. However, my score essentially didn't change, and I went back to rewatch the fight a, a few times. I watched it once with sound um, and a whole bunch of times without sound, and I watched a lot of rounds two and three because round two was a lot closer than I initially gave it credit for. Um, which I'll get into there. Uh, Brownie just woke up, so I'm going to let her out to use the bathroom. One momento. All right, never mind. She's camping out by my feet. I know. <laughs> oh, I apologize for like the first 15 minutes of last episode. Uh, thankfully, she passed out. It was smooth sailings, but I hopefully I don't repeat that here. But yeah, essentially, I had Reyes um, after the rewatches, like I explained to you that I did. I still had him the same. Um, essentially, let's just go round one. Um, I, I, I think it's pretty clearly Reyes. At round two, the interesting thing about round two, and again, I still score it for Reyes, but it is closer than I give it credit for. Um, I do still feel like round three was the more swing round. However, I could understand, I don't agree, but given the criteria, because it was going, not just it being in Texas, but them just using old judges' criteria, and with the forward pressure... I could see how a judge could get bullshitted into giving that round for Jones. And let's be honest, John Jones has a history of bullshitting experienced MMA judges. So to bullshit a uh, Joe Solis uh, of the world, uh, and I, hey, I feel bad I keep picking on this guy. Um, and, you know, I don't even know his, his back. I'm, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um, but, like, yeah, like, it, 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 it's, I, I actually, I get it. Again, that doesn't mean I agree with it, um, because I don't, but I, I get it. Because, again, I talk about this all the time when I talk about my dual scorecards, or if I maybe give a scorecard that sounds off for one, I'm not the best scorer, nor do I claim to be. But mainly, uh, for two, it's because I've been watching so long, and I suspect a lot of people who have been watching uh, as long as me or longer, and I'm not... Believe me, I'm like barely a tough noob, okay? Um, I haven't been watching forever. I'm just saying, it, once your sample size gets to a decent amount, I'm not trying to put myself up or anything, I'm just I'm saying, wait, once your sample size gets to a decent amount, I've, and you have to watch the history and the iterations of judging, I feel like I and many others are getting better at adjusting toward it, um, which is why nights like these seem so backwards, or UFC 247, I should say. But you almost judge it on two scales. Like one is like who you think should win, rightfully, from what your eyes see and what you know of the sport. And the other is who you think the judges are going to give it to. And I often fall into the second because that, whether we agree with it or not, is sadly the reality that decides records and what these fighters are getting paid. Now, what I like about round two, uh, pre-round two, is the corners are pretty on point. Like first it goes to... Grab some water. Hopefully, it doesn't disrupt the sound. First, it goes to uh, John's corner, Jones. <clears throat> and you got like Winkle John there, and he's just like, uh, All right, ponies, ponies, and stabs to the body, stabs all day. And he's like doing his normal thing. And uh, Greg Jackson gives, you know, uh, typical like Greg Jackson advice, but it, the point is spot on. You know, he's really emphasizing the shot because. He saw John go and possibly get discouraged by the shot, right? Because we don't see John return to it till like rounds four and five heavily, I believe. I think he takes two and most of three off as far as his wrestling after it failed him early on in uh, round one. So Greg's telling him to commit, and then it goes over to Reyes' corner. I didn't recognize anybody there. I didn't see Joe Stevenson or anybody. It just looked like a bunch of like his fraternity bros like in the corner, but they did a good job, and especially that pre-round two uh, at least, and they were just like... Uh, um, you know, they pretty much repeated like, okay, you know, he's going to go for body teeps and takedowns. So watch out for that. Keep your hands up and keep the pressure. And it was, it was just spot on. Um, but again, I still give it to Reyes. Reyes, um, 
yes, he doesn't hit Jones a lot with that flurry. He hit him much more, uh, you know, with the flurry that he got in, in round one, which, again, Reyes doesn't counter kicks often, as you see. I don't know if I did a good job of emphasizing it, but it was a big note studying into the fight was um, that when he usually gets kicked, he's got good defense, but it's backing away and blocking. He doesn't have that initial trigger of, like, bop, bop, like we saw, we'll get to Valentina Shevchenko. You could see her embedded triggers. Um where she was just plied and ready, you know, you want to talk about a southpaw uh, counterfighter, right? And again, Reyes is a good southpaw counterfighter, and I felt it was good enough to get the title, uh, on my scorecard at least, for what it, which is not worth anything, you know, but for what that's worth. Um, but yeah, he doesn't do it that much for my liking, but what, what happened when he did, he knocked Jones down and followed up with a lot of offense. Whereas the flurry should count for something, but... Um, did he hit him? No. But at the same time, did, did Jones win those exchanges early in round two? No. Uh, and as far as damage goes, <clears throat> Reyes hit him with leg kicks throughout. Um, but he really hits a damaging leg kick hard. He punctuates in the beginning of round two and at the end of round two. You know, the, the really hard ones that, like, Thiago, like the ones Tiago Santos hit Jones early on with, where it looked like Jones was doing some really bad, like, um, ice skating dancing, you know, like, where he's just on one foot and his hands are kind of flying out. You know, it's really exaggerated. It almost, it almost looks exaggerated, I, I should say, but it's just Jones's frame. It's so long and awkward, yet he is still such a good enough athlete with good enough balance. Um... That it just ends up looking like this exaggerated uh, thing to get his uh, balance regained. And, of course, Reyes, kind of like the Ozdemir um, fight, was doing a lot of that quiet body work, throwing that two to the body. That was really nice. Um, unfortunately, kind of like I said, you know, speaking of, like, fortuitous, uh, fortuitous tweets, um, is that... Uh, you know, we'll get to Martinez and Uhl, but I, I tweeted before the Uhl Martinez scorecards were listed. I go, this is a good fight. And, I, and you notice I tend to do this early on, folks, because I'm a degenerate like that. But um, the first decisions of the night to see where the judges uh, stand. But for specific fights, because sometimes it's an easy call, it's not going to tell us if we have a. It's not a good litmus test of what the education of our judges are like, right? But. Ula Martinez, it was a much harder one to call, even for experienced judges. In dumb judges' defense, it was a harder one to call. That being said, um, it was still a good sample size to call, uh, or a good sample size as far as that first judge's decision because there was just a ton of body and leg work. And we know judges, I, I harp on it all the time because, I'm, you know, Dan Tom's such a big body shot fan, but judges hate awarding body shots. Um, so it's, uh, it was a really good litmus test. And then sure enough, the Uwe Martinez scorecard get, got read and we'll cover that more when we get there. But my tweet was looping it back into the Reyes Jones fight was that that's a bad, I'm like, I'm like, well, it looks like the judges, looks like, looks like the judges aren't awarding leg and body damage tonight, which sucks for particular fighters or certain fighters in particular, um, which, uh, I, I even included Reyes as an example there. Sure enough. Didn't seem like he was uh, rewarded um, too much for it um, in round two, especially in round three. Now, again, even though I could see how a judge was was bullshitted because uh, I forget who it was, someone retweeted it, um, but it was you know it was essentially the reason why, and I, I took it out for spacing reasons. But if you look at my previous breakdowns, it's always on there. Um, consistent round winner always comes on late. Uh, in the supplemental info for John Jones. It's because he is. He comes from the camp that created the game of late takedowns. You know, even though we'd like to think that judges are smart enough to realize that doesn't do any damage in this day and age, you know, what game plan uh, or what camp, you know, made the made that game plan come to come to popularity. That's 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 Jackson Wink. And Jones knows how to come on strong. He just spams spinning shit that mostly doesn't land and will get credit for it. Um, I definitely stepped off the gas from my live watch back in the day, 165, where I thought Gustafson um, won heading into the scorecards live. And I've slowly come off that as the years have passed and you rewatch the fight, you understand what you're watching more. That being said, 
there was an argument to that that it was hard to take away for anybody, you know, not even necessarily if you were rooting that Gus won, um, but if you were rooting that Gus won certain rounds that he wasn't given credit for. Uh, and there was a valid mark to that as far as the part of the argument that goes for, yeah, Jones came off late, but aside the end of round four, you know, he really, you know, he hit some clean like twice after that, um, you know, or even then he does it in round five, but he really didn't land barely anything in round five at the end there and that flurry. It was a bunch of spinning stuff that missed. Whatever, I'm not trying to rehash that. I'm just saying he knows how to bullshit his way into winning rounds. He also was coming forward. And back to the judges' criteria, it was just like, it was like you were fighting back in 2010. And I, and I know people are giving John Jones crap for him being fairly confident, even though he did, in his defense, he did say he had to rewatch it in the post-fight. I know people are giving him crap because he sounded fairly confident in saying, you know, oh, uh, my takedowns, whether you like it, takedowns score points. And I agree. If you're someone that says that take those takedowns didn't do anything, I agree. In fact, I predicted that he wasn't going to get any meaningful takedowns, meaning he was going to be able to take him down, but he wasn't going to be able to hold Reyes down. So I wasn't surprised in that fact. And I won't jump the gun to the wrestling before um, I, I round on this particular point about uh, criteria. But not again i don't agree with the judges scorecards i don't agree with jones but you could really make the argument or take the stance of he's actually really smart to say and do that because he was the only one that was wise in that sense he was talking like he was straight out of 2010 but considering that they were judging like it was straight out of 2010 that is texas i guess you could say john jones was pretty fucking smart to play that you know, to play the uh, – because we've seen John Jones counter and stuff before too, right, like in the second Gus fight. So you could say that it was actually maybe smart of Jones to play that pressuring and me spamming meaningless takedowns. I mean, Diego Sanchez got how many fucking wins that he shouldn't have got that way. I mean, dude, Diego Sanchez is fighting on the wrong card, man. He's fighting a week too late. Like if if Diego Sanchez was fighting, fighting uh, you know, last night at UFC 247 and the Texas Commission based on their criteria – Diego Sanchez could have won a world fucking championship at UFC 247 with the way they were judging fights of that card. It was a real throwback to that. Now, again, do I agree with it? No. Do I think it was right? No. I'm not saying that. Um, wow, that was weird feedback there. I'm not saying that, but... Uh, I'm not saying that, but it, it, it is it is something to, to think about. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, but, but, yeah... Uh, um, key for Reyes I put movement and uh, more orthodox I don't know if more orthodox was a key I just noticed he was going to orthodox more which I don't remember ever seeing him really do which was interesting and just the movement in general you know Dominic Cruz was talking about it during the fight and I didn't mention it on the podcast, but I was going to mention, and I'm not trying to be revisionist history, folks. I'm not trying to, nothing to do with Igor Spruce. I just, legitimate thought here. Um, because it was, uh, I believe it was probably one of the uh, the unfiltered interview I heard with Reyes, where he goes, um, it, you know, most people have to take, like I do, where John faced a lot of guys in the right time. Not saying it wasn't impressive, not saying he would have beat them anyways. But there was a little bit of that crossover, right? He was fighting an older generation while he was this young, new guy uh, with this wild style. Um, but, you know, Reyes was saying in that unfiltered interview, he was like, but those guys, they, they don't move, and that's the problem. When guys start to move with him, uh, there, there's some problems. And he didn't really touch on it too much more than that smartly because that obviously was part of his game plan. But yeah, he was very correct. I think there's more to it, obviously. It's movement plus the size and length parity, which, you know, we were we were seeing, uh, which we've suspected all, all along. But, it, you know, guys are now able to key in on it, and the game has risen enough to where they're good enough to start doing these things, you know. And um, I'm not trying to say that as a matter of fact, like, because there's so many of us that have been calling. Everybody's been saying these things. Opponents, analysts, fans. Uh, I'm not saying really anything new here, nor am I claiming to, but it is pretty crazy when you think about that fact that everybody's known it for the longest time, yet it's taken this long, you know? What, you know, does that say how, you know, that's the, does that say how good Jones is? Yes. 
Does it say how suspect light heavyweight is? Sure. There's a little bit of that too, for sure. Um, but the new generation is is, is, is here, and, and um, I don't think Jones is washed up, shot, or anything like that, folks. Believe me, that is not what I'm saying, nor what I think, but it's going to be a hard road to hoe uh, from here on out, and I think we can see why he's been so reluctant. I mean, to me, I've stopped getting my hopes up a long time ago about Jones going to heavyweight. I suspected it was his lack of power slash their power, but I also think it's size parity up there as well. And I think this matchup kind of shows why perhaps he is reluctant to go to excuse me heavyweight. Not because Dom Reyes is a heavyweight or former heavyweight. He isn't. Dom Reyes has a history of weighing in at 203 for these bouts, so albeit a big guy, he's not a heavy guy by any means. But we see how much trouble he can pose and how much you know trouble the Gustafsons can pose. And even Cormier, despite his frame, Cormier, a true heavyweight, you know, um, how much static he posed against what were... And he got the best versions of John Jones, right? So you got to remember that curve when you're grading Cormier or trying to criticize him. Uh, it's very interesting. That's just my theory, of course. No, no way to prove that. Um... But I, I really don't think, you know, uh, Jones had had a terrible game plan. Because, again, we're uh, as far as scoring goes, I told you guys my score, but as far as round-by-round round breakdown goes, I kind of left it off uh, in the second going into the third. But even though Reyes, according to my and most scorecards, got those first two rounds, um, I, I do give Jones credit. Again, not that I scored it for him, but this kind of lends to why I, I can see why a, a not g great judge could get bullshitted into giving him the round. Uh, I don't know if I say forgive. That might be too strong a word, but why I could understand it is be also because... Sorry, am I going with this shit? Um, da -da -da -da. Oh, also because of Jones's game plan of pressure. Uh, because it seemed like his, his game plan was to beat Reyes to the legs. If you notice, he starts, he knew that, uh, you know, uh, Reyes was going to go for it. You go at the end of the Tiago Santos fight, he goes, Tiago showed some holes that everybody's been talking about for a while. Tiago was able to sh uh, do it and expose some things. I'm going to make sure those aren't there. And even though Jones got hit a lot to the legs more than the judges gave Reyes credit for, sadly... Jones still outlanded him in the leg department. Leg kicks, I don't have it in front of me, but he, I think he nearly threw 20 more and landed 20 more. So he was committed spot on and arguably, according to the statistics, succeeded in that regard. And the other part of the game plan, not just to beat Reyes to the legs, that what I'm perceiving again, I don't know, folks, I'm not fucking Jones or in his camp, but was to take Reyes into deep waters, which makes sense. It doesn't take a genius to surmise that one, right? But that's what I surmise was his game plan. Beat Reyes to the legs and take him into deep water. And part of him taking someone into deep water is getting him tired first and setting that pace. And when we're first watching it, you know, there's that talk of like people will cite Tim Elliott and Demetrius Johnson. When you have some guy who's untouchable and someone does really well, even for a round, it'll almost extend into three or five rounds. And we almost forget that that fight wasn't that close. Tim, Tim, Tim Elliott just had a really good first round for the most part, right? And I think a lot of that happened here because guess what, folks? I'm just as guilty as a two because I'm a human being as well. And it feels so scary. It felt so much more intense both those rounds. But round two feels less intense, right? Because you see John Jones actually rolling and slipping and doing a decent job even when put against the fence. And even in round one where he's getting much more quality shots landed on him, it's still not as bad as he initially felt when you first watched it. Now that we're sober... And, you know, it's into the next day, and it's a rewatch, right? Um, so, in that sense, I was like, even though I scored it for Reyes, I was, in my head, after the second round ended, and I'm like, oh, John Jones is getting himself back into the fight. This is smart. He's getting him cooked. And at the end of the third, I'll be honest, my initial inclination was to score it for Jones. So I was like, wow, did John Jones just get himself back onto the scoreboard? But then I said, no, wait, I know he comes on strong late in rounds. Forget all that, Dan. Who landed the more damage? And it was Reyes. I think he actually gets an uppercut in rounds one or two that I forgot about. 
Um, so round three wasn't the first uppercut, but he lands a very good uppercut in retreat. Um, again, a shot that I and many have been calling for. I mean, if you go back to my OSP breakdown, in fact, uh, I kind of break down why the uppercut is the shot to look for on Jones. So I've definitely had my eye on that shot for a while. And man, did Reyes show why beautifully. He kind of froze him up with one. And uh, that wasn't the only shot, of course. He had he he also had good leg and body work in that round as well. But that was the most damaging point, and we'll get into it with the other fights as we, as we move along here. But that was really annoying because whenever a fighter would hurt somebody, it felt like um, it felt like they were being denied that round, right? And and which was the case for most of the judges as far as this fight. So that was tough. But what also worked against Reyes was the body language. And I've talked about this before in this podcast many times. I'll often cite Jacare versus Gastelum. Body damage or body language will do you a disservice. You got to have a good body language. And that's something you, you, even the critics got to give Jones credit for. You know, I always talk about how he's limping on and off the battlefields. But goddamn, can the man keep a poker face while he's in the heat of battle? Um, and. Uh, and I, and I feel like um, that hurt Reyes because he really starts to, you know, Rogan commentary aside, and I'm not knocking Rogan, but Rogan can rightly or wrongly, depending on the example, he, he can tend to fixate on that theme, right? But even w w without that, like, Reyes is giving you bad body language to work off of if you're a judge. He's still landing quality shots, but when you have that body language, sadly, it speaks louder. Um, and furthermore, there's this moment at the end of round three where Jones has him up against the cage to get a last-minute takedown. He fails, and it's almost like out of frustration because he got stuffed yet again that he kind of knees out um, Dominic Reyes' posting leg, like just as slash after the bell. Uh, and one can think, okay, is it just out of frustration, which it could have been, or was he, again, you ain't cheating if you ain't trying. I'm not saying it's not dirty. It is, but it's smart. Or was he smartly trying to show, um, to, 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 to sneakily debase Dominic Reyes to kind of just show more momentum and off balance, make him look and feel stronger for one, which sounds like a really small increment to depend on. But again, we're talking about really stupid judges here and Jones, no, effective or not, again, effective or not, he comes on late and wins rounds that way. I just broke that down, right? But two, again, it's dirty, but it's smart as shit. Did he also know, like a triple layer here, did he also know that his feeding off of his own frustrations and doing that was in turn going to frustrate Dominic Reyes because he was giving him a cheeky shot, right, at the end. And because you look at Dominic Reyes' face, he goes, dude, what the heck? Like he has that like face, he looks at the ref, does the thing where he looks at the ref, like, dude, you see that? And even though he's not wrong, he's reacting to something real, that again is bad body language. It hurts Dominic Reyes because it makes him look frustrated. And if you look frustrated at the end of the round, what does that tell a judge who wasn't watching or doesn't know what he's watching? Oh, shit, that guy might have lost. So, again, body language is every... I'm not saying it's right. Again, I scored it for these rounds for Reyes. But I'm saying... I'm saying, you know, real things. I'm not making excuses, but real things that, that fighters need to need to, to watch out for. And again, I feel bad, and I'll get to it with Miles Johns. I felt like I was coming at him unfairly hard, but when I use the word mental weakness, I'm not trying to say he's a mentally weak individual. He's, you know, he, he see, I, I like Miles Johns, man. I was not trying to come at him. I, I feel like I feel bad. Shouts to my man Ramundo Martin, by the way, Junkie Nation out there. Um, why are you going after the brothers? He was giving me crap for all. His, he's like, why are you going after? Them? I'm like, dude, come on. I I, I, I pick some brothers too, Ramundo. That's an inside joke for people that. Our, uh, our listeners, MMA Junkie Radio, Ramundo would always call in, and we would always kind of have some some friendly, some friendly race talk, folks. It's all friend, it's all love. But yeah, uh, I, I was like, you know what, though, Ramundo, I do feel bad though because I felt like I was coming at John's hard. It wasn't that. This was kind of the example, folks. Again, because it's not that I, I think he's a mentally weak person, but if you show that kind of weakness and frustration, it can mean a lot tactically in a fight, but it can also work against you and the judges. So something to think about. Um, Jones finger extended warnings, LOL, I wrote. Like, I think Dan Mergliata, by round three, there was like three verbal warnings. And John Anik did his awesome thing where he kind of says things without saying them, where he goes, that's three warnings now from Mergliata. And 
Whether it's cage grabs or eye pokes, your official warning is supposed to be in the back when the ref talks to you. That's your official warning. Technically, the refs are allowed to, and arguably should, according to what's stated in the rules, be taking a point from the first offense. So as I take a, a sip here of my drink, let me ask you, when has John Jones lost a point for being uh, uh, for extended fingers? Yeah, it hasn't happened. And I bet you, you're getting into the 20s or 30s, no exaggeration. If you go back and watch all John Jones UFC fights, and you don't count the times that he did it or poked a guy in the eye, just count the warnings. Just count the warnings alone, which don't represent the breadth. And uh, I bet you get into the 20s or 30s. And I say that because if I were a John Jones opponent, I don't care if it makes you look like a snitch or what. Here's what you need to do, and you need to go to the commission, especially if it's a commission that's had issues with John, regardless of what they've housing him as well. Um, you go to them with that count ahead of the fight and go, um, instead of warning in the back room for nothing and asking the ref to warn John Jones, which will do nothing because the guy is openly, you know, look at the hurt business. He's openly admitted in multiple interviews that he eye pokes people in the eye and tries to cheat. So it's not like it's, he even denies it for one. But you give them a tally mark, like, okay, this is 37 times he's been warned by official uh, licensed judges by your commission, or 27 by the, your commission, 30-something overall. You know how many points he's gotten? Zero. This is what the rule states. Tell me you don't see this vast gap in math here. Um, <laughs> and that'd be, you know, again, it's a cheap-ass tactic, but I feel like that would, at this point, it would have to work to get you a nice quick... Uh, point off the scorecard for the for for when John inevitably tries to foul you in the fight. Um Jones warm-up footage, you know, I, I was talking about the wrestling and and then we'll move on from this this fight here, sorry, talking about it a lot. But like you know, we're talking about wrestling deterioration and I wasn't discounting that and I certainly wasn't calling anybody crazy um saying that. I think that I don't know if it was Danny Mitchell or Ed Gallo uh, over at the fight site. Um, shouts to the fight site, by the way. Respect to all those dudes. I don't know if they did the, which one of them did an article on Jones's wrestling. I didn't get to check it out, and that's also on purpose because I just, again, it, when I respect you, I got to be careful. I got to watch the filter. But I know someone did like a retrospective on the wrestling, which would be interesting to go back and watch now. And there was just a lot of talk in general on Twitter about. Uh, about it too. Um, obviously, some are more educated than others, but I didn't completely buy into it. Not that I denied it. Uh, I do believe there's more legs to it now. Um, movement. I don't know what it is. You know, I've heard some people speculate uh, toes. Because if you look at John Jones, he always has his toes taped up, and they're different toes too, I've looked. Um, and then, of course, he had the Chael Sonnen issue with the toe. He's always limping, like I said, off, you know, fights and whatnot. Um, if that, that hurts it, but his wrestling hasn't been the same. Now, on some of the level changes, I argued last episode that it looks like he's using it to get into his opponent's head. He'll take the easy takedown if it's there. If not, he just wants to get in their head and will try to strike off the break. Uh, and there was actually a couple of those early on that, you know, again, was he discouraged or was he even trying? It was really hard to tell, right? Um, now, in Jones' defense, I do think he still has double legs there against the fence. I said that last time on this podcast, but on the rewatch of the fight, in round five, when Jones is probably most tired and his legs is probably taking the most damage, although it wasn't quite like the Tiago Santos fight where he was limping, right? Jones does a... A really good shot. It's a naked shot with a poor setup, but it's good as far as if we're looking at deterioration. It's very athletic. He changes his level low. He covers a lot of distance. His shooting leg, his dragging step leg, um, it comes up. It, it's got a snap. It, it's got a nice like kind of like a rubber band. It's got a it's got a fast recoil. It's not it's not dragging lazily. Um, and it's a good shot. He, uh, it's, a, it's a really good shot as far as like, again, not MMA-wise because it's naked as fucking hell. Um, and he's lucky he penetrated with it. But it was so athletic, he made up for it. So it's like, okay, he's not completely shot there in the wrestling. But when I went back and I watched, you know, like Stefan Bonner fights and all those fights, like he's doing these crazy things from the clench, foot sweeps, and all the Greco stuff. 
and we haven't seen much of those. And the corner was telling him to commit, and when he got hoisted, when he got over, when Reyes would overhook, under, underhook, and hoist him up off of his hips, Jones said very little from there. Um, so that was really disturbing. So I guess you could say that perhaps from clinch to open shot wrestling, there's a difference. But here is where the onion and the layer peers, peels back even further. Um, again, I was talking to Andrew Millington. Shout out to Andrew Millington. There's one particular part that looked really bad. I think it's in round four where Jones shoots or he goes for an inside trip, uh, a very uh, high percentage but low flash takedown from the clinch. Still a Greco takedown, still a clinch takedown. And he fucking missed badly to where he steps and almost falls on his face for it. Uh, and from there, it almost looked like he was had his both of his knees planted and planted square, which is bad, and tried to reshoot off of that, which was really bad. Uh, and it wasn't that far off from that. However, he actually, considering what his options were, that he was so that he was put so far out of his position with that really badly mis, mis, misstepped inside trip from the clinch that it actually made sense within the context. And then furthermore, Jones is unorthodox and used to working from funky positions. Remember that stretch of his career where he kept coming out um, in like the... Uh, the uh, This is going to sound bad, but like I remember the Marky Mark uh, version of Planet of the Apes. I had the DVD and I watched special features. And it was funny because they had to like take... From Marky Mark to like the Asian guy that played Shank to Sung to like Michael Clark Duncan, like all these different body types, they had to take him through ape school to like walk like an ape, and John Jones was kind of doing that. And remember, because it was like it was almost like he he stole it was like a changing of the guard. Like Rashad Evans used to do it, and they fought each other, and they had like that showdown. That was kind. Of, all right, I'm probably digging myself into a hole here. Hopefully, you guys, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm making a legitimate comparison here. I'm not I'm not trying to uh, take any low hanging fruit. Hopefully, you guys know me better than that. But remember, legitimately though, you guys do remember that he would he would come out and do that gallop, and then like I think it was like someone tried to kick him in the head, and he looked up, and Big John's like, "You play the game. That's what happens." And I think that's one of many reasons because Big John was also one of the only refs to kind of call him on his crap, but he didn't like Big John calling his fights. Um, and he kind of stopped doing that. Anyways, but yeah, so uh, John Jones is comfortable from, you know, operating from unorthodox positions. So again, that was perhaps a little more forgivable. And to his credit, he actually comes up from that weird position and turns the corner just by being planted like kind of squarely, firmly on his knees and gets back into the shot. The problem was was the wrist control. You guys know I'm a big proponent of wrist control. I always talk about it. Um, and that's what John Jones traditionally does when I talk about his clinch game. Um, I'm usually referencing stuff like, you know, that first Cormier fight and whatnot. And he showed those wrists and those levers with Gustafson once he secured him to the ground. But Reyes' refusal to accept position didn't allow him to get that wrist control. I mean, Jones smartly went for it, especially when he was going harder for takedowns, as you saw, excuse me, in rounds like four and five. He would reach back for that Dagestani handcuff, that cross wrist control, and Reyes would post one arm and try to get up. But the funny thing was, was not only did Reyes deny it to him by just getting up uh, and continuing to tripod and turtle fast and relentlessly, that even when John Jones secured a hook, he didn't get the position partially because he abandoned trying to get that wrist control at a certain point, but also because if you look at it, he went to a body lock when he got the wrist control. But it wasn't like a typical body lock where he's connecting his hands in any type of gable grip or type of clasp or anything. He's actually connecting it. Um, he's taking one wrist. I believe it's his left hand and grabbing his right wrist. And that's more of like a wrist feed wrestling style body uh, wrestling style body lock because sometimes the reason why he you grab your own wrist and the hand that's wrist is being grabbed, that's a free hand, that hand is usually or should be grabbing a wrist because you should have already wrist-feeded a wrist into that grasp. And then you can slam someone onto the weaker side. Jones does that a lot. It was really telling, though, that he still opted for that grip despite not having the wrist ever in that exchange, which tells you that he is, in fact, dependent on wrist control. And, of course, once Reyes again got back to his feet and did his typical hoisting him up with under an overhook uh, or both, to hoist him up off of his hips, John Jones tried to secure his overhook and then did his other do his other wrist feed scenario from the clinch, where he grabs the uh, wrist with his free hand, 
But even when he secured Reyes's wrist, Reyes immediately broke the grip. He used the old school trick where you know he he brought his knee up, and he and, and used his own knee to break uh, Jones's grip on his wrist, and fought out out to the weak side. Um, so yeah. I'm not completely sold still, but I am much more... I do believe there are much more legs to the Jones wrestling deterioration theory. And the reason why I initially started this by saying Jones warm-up footage, which is the last note, and I promise we'll push on and we'll push faster through this card, um, was because in his warm-up footage, he was throwing spin sidekicks, and they did not look good. I mean, they never looked great, but there was actually a clear progression. Like, you could tell Jones was just throwing them because he saw him on a YouTube video in his first few fights. But he actually gets much better out of Adam, uh, technique-wise, and even when he throws, like when guys are trying to go to the weak side of whatever stance he's operating at, right? Like he's throwing them at the right times, and you didn't see many land for a reason or many thrown for a reason. One, because Reyes's movement. Two, man, I mean, I don't know if this ties into the wrestling as to why he's not being able to execute certain things. Something from his feet to his hips that's wrong, but. It did not look good. I know it's just like warm-up footage. You can't put too much into that. Especially someone smart enough to work a counterintelligence game like Jones. But yeah, that was... Zatfa's disturbing. Okay, we're going to push on, folks. Sorry, next results here. Valentina Shevchenko defeated Caitlin Chukagian. Like I said, I hit the uh, over, but I, I thought... I, I claim, Which I do still stand by. Again, that was a good angle, right? For the main event. Uh, however, I didn't give you or me a, a good angle on the co-main. And I went heavy on this one too as well, which cost me. Um, which was Shevchenko by decision. Um, granted, I didn't expect Caitlin Chukagian to uh, be as aggressive. And props to her for being as aggressive as she was. But not only being aggressive as she was, I didn't expect her to at one point pull guard into a, practically a crucifix <laughs> to, get, to get finished there. <laughs> That aside, though, even if she didn't fucking pull guard into a crucifix, pretty much, you know what? I don't know if she would have made it to decision anyways. It just was not a good, uh, a good play by me, no matter how I want to cut it. So apologies, folks. Um, hopefully, you didn't lose too much on that one. But there wasn't many angles to take, right? That's the thing about these big favorites. I hate it, make, especially the degenerates in us. It makes us take bad angles if we want to take a shot on it. This was only a void list for a good reason. I did end up putting a couple bucks on it just for fun. Um, this was one of those cards, by the way, shout out to MMA Junkie George, George Garcia. I'm going to ask him how well he did because, like, he likes to just sprinkle on dogs a lot. And this was definitely one of those cards where, like, you were probably, you were probably uh, better off just sprinkling on sprinkling on underdogs here. Um, and Justin Taffa just ices Juan Adams real fast. I think, uh, you know, it was hard to tell. Uh, what was what from either of these guys, but Tafa, despite not having the skills and a long uh, pedigree, he does come from that fighting family, and he is, in fact, a fighter, whereas Juan Adams, uh, he's got some things to figure out, man. Uh, I like him. not going to want to shit on a guy that just lost, but uh, especially after Justin Tafa just shows fucking all class, you know. He's consoling Juan Adams in there, going, bro, you know, I was in the same spot you were, you know, and... I love that. I love sportsmanship, man. So good on Justin Taffa. Dan Ige defeated Mirsad Bektik via split decision. The judges got it right, man. Whew. It was, you know, it could have been a legitimate split decision. I didn't go back and rewatch this one. Of course, I was watching with biased eyes. And I had it for Ige 29-28. Thankfully, that's what it was. He went out and did the more damage, you know. It, it made it, uh, Mirsad muddied it up with the takedowns and scrambles in that last round, but... The guy going for subs and damage, uh, I'm glad they, they gave it to him because that's how it should have went. And, um, you know, you guys heard me talk about in this podcast that, like, of course I'm going to, you know, give big ups to my, my dude Eric Nixick, but uh, he he does work a good corner, especially with Dan Ige. They have a special connection. I pretty much said that. I said, you know, Ige will drop that second round, but even if he's in a point where he's got to go out and win that third, I believe he can do it. And sure enough, they did it. And sure enough, Eric Nixick showed off that corner work. And sure enough, it was a part of the plan. I shared that video on my Twitter, at DanTomMMA. Um, that anatomy of the fighter, I forget who's behind it. I can't quote his name. I apologize, sir. But anatomy of a fighter did a special thing on it and showed that, you know, fuck him up. What do we do in the third round? Fuck him up. Ige and Eric Nixick showed them practicing it. It showed Eric instilling it into Ige's head. And then the clip, uh, thanks to... 
you know, uh, th- th- thanks for it being shared to me. I shared earlier with uh, Eric and Ige between round two and three, and that was just beautiful, man. You really got to see that whole thing, you know. Eric checks off all the lists. First, he assesses the physical status, uh, status of his fighter, tells the corner to, hey, leave some sweat on him because he knows that the opponent wants to take him down. He's going to be live in scrambles. Gets him, allows him to take his breath, then gives him tactical direction. But he gives him tactical direction that's simple and within the context of what his opponent is doing. And how does he finish up? He finishes up by tapping into his opponent, the fighter emotion, and motivating them. It was fucking beautiful. Grats to them. That was a big score for me, sure, but was just more happy for Dan and Eric. Uh, Derek Lewis defeated Elilu TV. An anonymous decision, probably the least controversial scorecard handed out of the evening. 29-28 Lewis. I saw some people having issues with that, but I think it's the commentary. Again, um, love Dominic Cruz, man, but, you know, uh, he ain't all, he's a smart guy, but that doesn't mean he's always right. And his heart was in the right place by trying to take a stand against the judges. But it was one of those things, and we've all done it, right? We're like, it's the right thing. Our heart's in the right place. But we just maybe, we take a stand at, at probably the wrong time. And I think that's what Dominic Cruz did there as far as, like, arguing that, like, Latifi got three takedowns and da-da-da-da. Like, he didn't really do much out of it. Like, kind of like I said on Twitter, and props to those of you, I always know who the OGs are when I throw out, like, a really old reference and people get it. But I'm like, that fight was essentially like Hermes Franca, Sean Shirk, for like back at UFC 76 or whatever. Like, it was essentially one guy flying knee and the other guy in the face, getting taken down and laid on, laid in braid classic, and then getting back up and doing damage. Except the right guy won in a three-round fight, and that was Derek Lewis. Um, Trevin Giles. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Tried to light your ears up with that. Defeated James Krause via split decision. 28, 29, 29, 28, 29, 28. Um, yeah, like, I don't agree with Chevin Giles getting the first round. That being said, it really wasn't too far off of one, I forget which round it was, but one of Jorge, another split decision in Texas, uh, UFC 211, right? When Jorge Masvidal was able to get around. And a lot of, a lot of y'all backed it then. Granted, I believe Jorge Masvidal did a little bit more damage in the beginning and the end of the rounds than Trevin Giles did in the beginning and the end of the first round. But it wasn't too far off than a Maya Masvidal round. That being said, obviously I gave it to Kraus. Um, I was just, my more issue was that not one judge gave a 10-8, even under the old rules. Like, it was like, remember, like, Gastelum Magni. Like, you, you knock a guy down twice, you take him down twice, you get multiple passes, you get a crucifix, you take his back. Uh, on top of clearly winning the round, you don't get a 10-8. Well, this was more the case, like, Trevin Giles clearly won the second. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. But not only did he clearly won the second, you could have argued that it could have been stopped and that James Krause could have been out on his feet for a second or out on the floor, I should say, with that ground and pound. I mean, Jay Giles, like, fucking knocks light heavyweights. You know, granted, it was bad back to Vic there. But other guys, too, like, he fucking knocks dudes stiff with that ground and pound light heavyweights, much less a former lightweight on short notice in James Krause. And he hurts him so bad that he's able to take his back and sinks in the choke that would have been done for if the bell didn't ring out. So he essentially submits and knocks a guy out, arguably, within a round. On top of clearly winning the round, yet not one judge gives Jay Giles the 10-8. That being said, even though they don't do backroom bonuses anymore, I'm glad they got fight of the night bonus. Maybe one other fight could have held up to it. Um, or obviously Jones Reyes, but even another one aside from that. But I'm glad they got it because that way I think it was a way to pay Kraus extra. He fucking deserved it. I didn't watch this fight close enough to be too angry. Uh, I believe I was eating. <laughs> but Lauren, Mur- Lauren Murphy, someone's killing Octagon. <laughs> that was... That's a trip. Uh, Lauren Murphy defeated Andrea Lee via the split decision. Um, and that was the thing with this one, too. It was strange because not by huge margins, but Andrea Lee um, outscored as far as significant strikes landed, outlanded, I should say, Lauren Murphy in all three rounds. Lauren Murphy sure got some takedowns here or there, but she didn't do much for it. And so I don't think it should have been credited, but again... We saw what we were dealing with last night. What also really upset me, and again, I'm, I'm going to go back to that. I'll, I'll touch on this again when we get to Will Martinez. Uh, 
is that this was the second fight after Juan Martinez in a row where we've got a competitive fight or a competitive round, except the main difference was one fighter visibly got hurt by a strike and the other did it. So, like, shouldn't that round go to them? Um, it should. Unfortunately, that strike is a body shot, and it seems like judges hate body shots so much that they not only do they not score body shots, but, like, even if you fucking get your opponent to visibly wince, they don't give you the round. Like, I don't think it should be scored as much as of a knockdown, but it should be a fucking second cousin from being scored from a knockdown. It should be a round swaying thing for anybody who's sparred or no. First of all, I think all these judges should be fucking hitting the liver so they, they know how it feels like and probably there's some karma there. Uh, for two, uh, unless they're former fighters or competitors, who know. Uh, and for two, um... I almost wish they knew how to throw and land said body shots, not just be hit by them, because those of you who know, uh, those of you at the other end of the microphone who know this, you guys can give me a internet fist bump here. There are a few things more rewarding in martial arts, in combat, whether it's the fight itself or sparring, than hurting someone in the body. Because even if you're a nice guy and you don't want to hurt your training partner because you shouldn't want to and you shouldn't enjoy it, you're not exactly giving them, like, straight concussive damage, right? Uh, although, you know, damage is damage and there is somewhat of an effect up there. I'm not trying to split hairs, but you know what I'm saying? It's it's not as bad. Like, you know, you know you're not, like, reaping their knee or, like, concussing them before a fight, you know? It's just a body shot. And if you've ever hurt someone with a body shot and watched them wince, oh, my gosh. It's like, like, orgasming and then, like, hurting someone to the liver with a body shot. Like, it's a fucking close second. You know what I'm saying? Sorry to get graphic there, folks. I'm, I'm being honest. It, it, uh, if I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get, uh, I'm not trying to get all Alex Hernandez on you guys and say I'm fucking, I'm fucking stiff right now. But yeah, <laughs> it gets old damn time excited. Um, so that was upsetting to see in that sense. But I was also happy for Lauren Murphy. Uh, hopefully Andrew Lee can bounce back from this because I feel like she's, you know, battling a lot of personal stuff as I, so sensitively joked about last episode. Oh, Jesus. Chaos Williams, I guess that's his name. Defeated Alex Moreno via first round KO. Man, tough night for Fortis MMA. I know Alex, I think he stayed in Houston for most of this, I think. But I do know he's a Fortis affiliate there. And yeah, that was tough to watch. I also like Alex Moreno. Just seems like a nerdy dude who likes metal and stuff and likes martial arts, and I can get along with that. Um, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. Am I still recording? Yeah, hopefully it is. Sorry. I have these weird notifications while I'm recording. I'll try to wrap, wrap through here. But yeah, like like I said, I picked Morono, but for that price, no. And uh, like I tweeted, he's going to have to respect Williams' power early if he wants to win, and... Well, Williams touched him, so. Mario Bautista got a second-round TKO, Miles Johns. Um, I, I didn't necessarily see a TKO. If I did, it, maybe it would be like round three, not necessarily by the flying knee, but hell, both the corners called it, the commentary called it. Bautista was throwing flying knees the whole time, and as I saw my dude Connor Rebuche on Twitter, if you don't counter, you're just allowing your opponent to practice his approach. And uh, practice his approach, he did. And Bautista did the old Jeremy uh, Stevens versus Dennis Bermudez. When you load heavy on that front foot, um, you're open for that flying knee. And uh, good on Bautista. He took it out of the judges and cashed that on their dog play. Uh, this was on the avoid list, but I'll be honest. I sprinkled like uh, a fiver on uh, Journey Newson. Has a plus 100 dog to defeat Domingo Pilarte. I thought he was going to squeeze out a, a, a sweaty decision, but Pilarte is getting this habit of getting hit really hard. I don't know if it's, um, you know, the old tall head on a swivel target out there. Like, it hit the tether ball, but goddamn, did Newsom fucking hit it after getting head kicked. Um, he got transported to the hospital along with Andre Uhl, which, again, I'm just planning all the seats to support that argument once we get get to that one. But good on Jer Journey Newson. Um, Andre Uhl defeated Jonathan Martinez via split decision. You know, if you go by the stats, then 
Andre Uhl winning by split decision or 29-28 isn't that bad. However, shouts to my dude Spencer Kite. Spencer's the truth. And it's he said something, he, he worded it much better. I'll slaughter it now. But it's something I always say on here, which is essentially that the, the numbers aren't indicative. You can't just go off the stats. You have to know what you're watching. And this was a good litmus test, like I said, because it was early in the night and it was a fight that made judges have to know what they were watching. And they didn't. Because if anybody does, you could argue at 30-27, it was Jonathan Martinez. Now, I thought the judges gave Uhl round one. Uh, and I thought my bias was probably leading me to say Jonathan Martinez round one. So I gave him that round. But I think Jonathan Martinez clearly, clearly are in the next two. And really, you could give him an argument for round one because... The striking was pretty close, it appeared, although there was much more body shots at the end, and Ull started to pull away with strikes. However, he only started to pull away and go to the body and have urgency, Ull did, because Jonathan Martinez hurt him to the body in that round. And he was the only one to show that he was hurt, whereas Martinez, kind of like Cruz was pointing out, was really working. And I went back to watch this one again, by the way. It was really working a smart shell and not letting a lot get through. Uh, but again, you have to understand exchanges to see that. And he was doing a real high-risk pressure countering game. But he was pulling it off beautifully. But still, that round, first round was close. It probably went to Ull, even though I leaned Martinez for the reason that he was the actual person that got someone hurt. Then round two comes along, and Martinez hurts him to the body again um, at the end, creating a flurry that opens up a whole bunch of shots, which I believe was enough to steal the round, even if he didn't do quiet leg and body work throughout which he did, um, and also hurt him to the leg. And also from blocking or maybe even from the hard shell defense, uh, from uh, Ull's primarily boxing attack, Ull's like right hand or wrist is hurt. So now Ull's leg's hurt, his right hand or wrist is hurt, and he's been hurt to the body twice heading into round three. Round three, Martinez eats up his leg again, uh, Scoring leg kicks all round, but but hurting him visually again. So he visually hurts him to the leg twice, visually hurts him to the body twice. Is the forward pressure guy, which aren't we supposed to be counting that? Yet, of course, Judge Solis goes 30-27. And the annoying part was, was that, like, I tweeted, which was true, that that's a bad omen for Reyes if they're not awarding leg and body shots here. But the crazy thing was... It was, uh, Ull went to the body more than Martinez, yet Solis gave him those, but yet didn't give it to, uh, Reyes for his body shots and Southpaw more boxing-centric stance, you know? So, not only was Solis bad, but he was inconsistently bad. Um, but like Dominic Reyes said, we got boxing judges, so, uh, a lot of the time, so, you know, was it a surprise that the primarily boxing attack and takedowns for people that don't know the ground game... Uh, would you know they're going to score Lauren Murphy's boxing and takedown attack over Andrew Lee's Muay Thai, more effective and well-versed Muay Thai. Same with Ull over Jonathan Martinez, more effective and well-versed Muay Thai. Yet, John Jones got all the credit for his well-versed game. You know, again, it's just fucking ass backwards. That was a, a shit scorecard. Not just because it, it, you know, I had to play on Martinez. It was bad. It was bad in general. I mean, look, I went 45 minutes complaining about, you know, John Jones and Dominic Reyes, and I got the pick exactly right, Jones by decision, and I cashed my play. It's not about that. Uh, it's not about the ego or the play here. It's about what's right and what's wrong, and, and Texas was fucking wrong. And I have friends that have refed for Texas Commission before. I love Texas. A lot of friends that live in Texas. Nothing against Texas, man. Nothing but love. But the commission shows to be shit. Yusuf Salau defeated Austin Lingo via unanimous decision. I was kind of only halfway watching this fight uh, because I was, like, coming out of the shower and just finishing off, like, you know, uh, stuff like that. But, like, yeah, it was a reminder of why this was on the avoid list and a reminder of why, again, heavyweights, uh, certain female divisions, and UFC debutantes, and flyweights, like, you really got to earn a 2-to-1, to one, a plus over 2-to-1 odds favorite. Otherwise, I'm going to be looking at you shifty-eyed. Um, all right, that's about it. That was that, that was the recap. By the way, I love how they're adding that, like, looking for a fight cliffhanger. is like, literal cliffhanger of Dana White going to jump off the cliff. I didn't go and watch it, but this morning, like, my mom didn't watch the... Uh, 
Aside from the Yoel Romero footage I caught her watching on her phone, she didn't watch um, the pay-per-view. But uh, she somehow watched that Looking for a Fight episode because, you know, we're from Hawaii. And she was like, oh, Dana went to the spot. You know where that spot is. You know where it's at. He couldn't even jump. My mom was just kept saying, and pardon my French. This was my mother using this word. He pussed out. Oh, he's such a pussy. Oh, he pussed out. The kids were making for all the locals. Oh, he stayed up there for three hours and got sunburned because he didn't want everybody to see him puss out. Oh, what a pussy. I'm like, Jesus, Mom, you really got invested into this Looking for a Fight series. And she's like, oh, I like... I like the, uh, she's like, I like the black guy, Dan Thomas. He's really funny. Like, I think that, that, that's her favorite. She liked Matt Sarah too, but she really liked Dan Thomas. I was like, okay. Yeah, Dan Thomas was, I was explaining to her, I'm like, he's a fighter and he's funny. He does comedy. And it was just kind of funny, like, having that casual perspective. But, um, yeah, there we go. That, that was it. Dana didn't jump. So, if, if hopefully, uh, my mom can save you guys the trouble from watching it as well. All right, folks, that's an hour long, longer than I wanted to do this. Sorry for ranting and raving, but hopefully maybe you needed some listening for your Sunday night and Monday, and uh, that way you got something to hold you over till I return, which will probably be Thursday for the breakdown on UFC and ESPN Plus 25. Uh, that is a rematch between Blockowitz and Anderson, which I'm going to get on right after I get this out because i got to record a video, breakdown video for it as per usual on Monday morning as I do, so... Usually, uh, I don't have time to do this. It probably hurt me, but you know what? God damn it, it was too interesting not to. I'm glad I rewatched it. Hopefully, you appreciated the recap. Hopefully, you guys did okay on your picks and plays. And until next time, protect your necks.